The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him, and three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love to imagine the stories of Scripture. And in a brief reading of today's text, we see that the disciples argued with one another. Likely, perhaps, you have a vision similar to siblings in the back of a car when you think of the disciples arguing with one another, doing a yes, uh-uh, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, back and forth thing with the volume escalating and the pitch rising. But I think that it might have happened a little bit differently. That when the disciples were arguing, it was more that they were debating the big question of who would be the greatest, who would serve in Jesus' new kingdom. After all, they were walking along the way. They picked a topic that they thought would keep them busy for a while. So I imagine the arguing going something like this. One disciple says, I wonder who Jesus is going to choose for the highest positions in his kingdom. And another says, well, he's going to choose the greatest among us, I expect. And another says, yeah, but what is the greatest? What would you say defines the greatest among his, us, his disciples? Maybe is it based on lineage or is it based on righteousness? How do you think Jesus is going to define the greatest? So one says, well, I think it's going to be on lineage. I mean, everybody knows in order to have a stable kingdom, you need to have the right family lines um, enlisted in order that there won't be disarray and upturn. And yet another says, no, that doesn't match kind of Jesus' whole thing. I mean, he's all about equanimity, and so it can't be based on lineage. It's probably something that all of us have a shot at, like righteousness. So I think Jesus is going to base it on righteousness because everyone can work toward that. And thus the argument continues with each person taking up a different turn or adding a little bit more, trying to decide what Jesus is going to do with this new kingdom that he keeps telling them he is ushering in. And so when they get to their destination, Jesus says to them, what were you all talking about back there? With all that passion and wanting to make some type of point, what were you talking about? But they're silent. Perhaps they were embarrassed. Maybe they were a little self-conscious. But I also wonder if their silence had something to do with the likeliness that they didn't really know how to frame their conversation 
in light of what Jesus was telling them. Jesus was telling him that he would be betrayed, that he would be killed, and that after three days he would rise again. And I speculate that in their minds they couldn't quite think about how all of this was going to fit together. So maybe their disi the disciples' silence was because they had so many questions they didn't know where to start. Or maybe their silence was because they really didn't have any questions at all, only opinions, and they weren't sure that they were ones that Jesus would appreciate. I think that we do well to recognize how similar we are to the disciples. Like them, we're not always sure how to participate in the reign that Jesus is establishing. But Jesus cuts to the quick with the disciples and does so with us as well and gives a singular statement. Whoever wants to be the first must be last of all and servant of all. I imagine the disciples saying, well, how do we do that? And this is where Jesus gets radical. This is where Jesus is scandalous. This is where we see Jesus turning things upside down, where the Jesus of the New Testament is different than the Jesus of Christendom. So if you're feeling a little uncomfortable that Jesus says the one who wants to be first of all must be least of all and servant of all, then you can consider your discomfort to be assurance that you are fully human. How do we do that? They ask Jesus, perhaps. And he brings into their midst a child and says, here is an example of one who is vulnerable, who doesn't have any rights in our society, no voice. So treat them as valuable because of your love for me. And in welcoming one of them, you are welcoming me. An interesting truth is that we are only able to welcome the vulnerable and weak if we have acceptance of our own vulnerability and a relaxed recognition of the reality of our own weakness. Augustine of Hippo, who lived from the mid-300s to the early 400s, gave some reflection on this passage. I thought it might be fun to share with you some words that are over 1,700 years old. Observe a tree, how it first tends downward, that it may shoot forth upwards. It fastens its roots low in the ground, that it may send forth its top towards heaven. Is it not from humility that it endeavors to rise? But without humility, it will not attain to higher things. You are wanting to grow up into the air without a root. Such is not growth, but a collapse. So often we feel the desire for the goodness and fullness of life, and we think that the way to get there is through keeping a positive outlook. Well, this is true, but only as long as it includes an acceptance of our own vulnerability. As long as we try to ignore our vulnerability, we remain fragile. And often in our journey toward experiencing our greatness, we come face to face with our own vulnerability Jesus invites us to pass through being afraid of our fragility and instead embrace it so that we might experience the greatness that we are called into. One of my favorite prayers is found in the Book of Common Prayer at the end of the service of Compline. 
I don't know how many of you are aware, but in the Book of Common Prayer, at the beginning of the book, there are services of prayer for several times during the day. There's morning prayer, there's noonday prayer, there's evening prayer, and then there's Compline. Compline is the prayer that is to be said right before retiring. And at the end of that service, there is a collect that has a line that I love, and it is this. Tend the sick, Lord Christ. Give rest to the weary. Bless the dying. Soothe the suffering. Pity the afflicted. Shield the joyous. And all for your love's sake. I love this prayer because of that one little phrase in there that talks about shielding the joyous. It speaks the truth that there is a very fine line that separates limitless joy from deep pain. Jesus is inviting the disciples to trust in the truth of him and the truth that is him. Jesus demonstrates that in embracing our vulnerability, we find our true strength. In 1993, there was a movie entitled The Saint of Fort Washington. The movie features two homeless men. Danny Glover plays a disabled Vietnam vet, and Matt Dillon plays a mentally unstable man. Dillon's character finds himself staying at the homeless shelter in the Fort Washington area of Manhattan, and that is where he meets Glover's character. On one afternoon when they are sitting out on a step, waiting for the hours to pass before they're permitted back into the shelter, they see a well-dressed man looking at some things for sale on a table out on the sidewalk. And Glover's character says to Dylan's character, you know what separates that man and me? And Dylan's character says, no. And Glover says, one paycheck. One paycheck separates that man from me. There is a great truth in that line. The differences between us are flimsy, like paper. And when you take away the flimsy differences, you see how truly similar we are. We may be separated from one another by one paycheck, but we are united to one another in common humanity, each being vulnerable, each being created in the image of God. Jesus is telling the disciples that the thing that makes his kingdom great is not rank or lineage or righteousness, but the willingness of people to recognize their shared vulnerability so that they might serve one another out of love for him. Ways to serve him might come easily to mind when you consider a mission trip or a soup kitchen or some nonprofit work or a social agency. You might feel more challenged to find ways in your workaday life that is filled with to-do lists and deadlines. I can't give you clear direction as to how to serve others in your everyday activities, but I can promise you that the one who charged his disciples to be servants of all will answer for you how it is that you can be a servant too. Consider sitting in quiet before the start of your day, before the sound and drive of industry take over your mind, and ask, how can I be your servant today, Lord?
How can I demonstrate my desire to serve you through being last of all? See what God brings to your attention. The answer might not come in the first day that you pray this prayer, but indeed God will answer this humble question. And in his answer, he will show you how his invitation takes you into the greatness that only he can offer. The greatness that is untouchable by human constructs. A greatness that surpasses any achievement that we might have here on earth. A greatness that is born out of love of Christ. Amen. <laughs>